You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ikenna Okeke of the Father's Church. This message will challenge, encourage, and propel you to fulfill your purpose and live that life that God originally designed for you as revealed in His Word. Be blessed as you listen. As we look into our text this morning, let's start from John chapter 11. John chapter 11, one of those familiar pieces in the Bible. We're going to read from verse 1. We'll jump and skip, jump and skip. John 11 from verse 1, I read. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified, through it now jesus loved martha and her sister and lazarus so when he heard that he was sick he stayed two more days in the place where he was then after this he said to the disciples let us go to judea again the disciples said to him rabbi lately the jews sought to stone you and are you going there again Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. These things he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death. But they thought that he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Then Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go that we may die with him. 17. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb. Four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Now Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, he will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Somebody say, Amen. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, 
the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Let's stop here. May the Lord bless the reading of his word in Jesus' name. You know, we're still going to go further down, but so many things that I want us to pick out so we don't lose them. You know, when you read the Bible, and um, by the mercy of God, the Holy Spirit begins to tell you the things that he implied when he put the letter. Okay, what we have written is what um, Bible scholars will let us know is the logos. But each time you read the Bible, there is a rema, there is a voice, apart from what is reading, you know, what is written, there is a voice speaking to you. And when the mercy of God, you know, visits you and the voice speaks to you, you can't help but be amazed at the depth of the wisdom and the things that are in the word of God. Now, what we find in our text here is an account of, you know, something that happened in the family that the Bible says this family were friends of jesus everyone in the family in fact in one of the verses verse 5 in particular the bible says now jesus loved martha and her sister and lazarus and we've learned here that the bible is one of those um, um books that has the maximum economy for words so if the bible emphasizes something or makes something to be known then it means it is necessary it is known it could have been said now jesus loved them are you with me but what does the bible say now jesus loved who martha jesus loved who mary the sister and love who lazarus so three of them were loved by jesus okay this fact the holy spirit needed us to know then the spirit of god now said verse six so when he heard that one member of this family was sick. What did he do? He stayed two more days. Now, the truth is this. You remember those days in, um, is it primary school or secondary school? Both. I think it, was, it must have been mainly secondary school. Where they give you comprehension, okay, and then they give questions to answer from the comprehension. So you read the comprehension, and then you answer the questions from the, you know, the questions following. I remember when, I think, I don't know what stage in my life, but there was a time we were doing a lot of practicing. I think it was when we were doing aptitude tests to get a job. You know, GMAT and all of that, a few of us will remember. Now, when you read comprehensions, those days, there are some of them that they'll bring. And they'll bring words, you know, that you've never heard of. Some comprehension about some scientific expedition in Russia or in Poland. And then they're asking you questions from you. You don't know Jack. So you answer it mathematically. When you read the question, you now go back and start picking, picking, picking. I, if someone would, anybody can remember those days. Now, let me tell you what is going to happen here. If you didn't know, look at verse 5 and 6. If you didn't know what the word love is, you're going to be confused. Maybe it's hanging. 5 says, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, isn't it? So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days. What is the definition of love? <laughs> is someone getting what I'm saying now? If you put five and six and you didn't know what love was before, you think that love means Jesus didn't care. That's the way we appear. But you see, this is the Bible we are reading. It's not an English textbook. So when you read it here, it means there's something deeper. He said, now he loved them. So when he heard, the word so means, 
I'm taking this action based on this, isn't it? It's a causative. So, I love you, so I do this, isn't it? So, I love Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Then when I hear they are sick, or one of them is sick, I delay. I delay. I stayed two more days. Not that I was detained. Not that I was something that, you know, I wanted to go, but something kept me. I was, you know, deliberate in wasting two more days. These are some of the things you see in the Bible and you pause and you ask yourself, do I have faith in God? You know, one cannot emphasize enough for people who, you know, appear before God, the import of having faith in God. It makes everything and it can ruin everything. Have faith in God. Because you see, if you don't have faith in God, you will relate to God based on your interpretation of events. And if you relate to God based on your interpretation of events, you are going to create a situation where, you know, you won't enter into the rest the choir was singing about. Because that rest, we enter through what? True belief, true faith. Now, have faith in God, Jesus says to us in Mark eleven twenty. 20. He says, have faith in God. Now, the next thing is this. The Bible also tells us in Hebrews eleven six 6, says, without this faith is what? It is impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that what? That God is. And that God is a rewarder. We've said there that God is a responder. To reward means I respond to what you do. So I'm not just God fixed, you know, almighty. I'm a God that takes stimulus from you. I'm a God that picks, you know, activities from you. And I respond in kind. So God is a rewarder of those who were diligently seeking. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. So having these things at the background, it's important from time to time, I pause and ask myself, do you believe God? Which I'm sure we say yes. Isn't it? Now, what do I believe about God? That is another challenge altogether. What do I what? Believe about God. Do you believe God? Yes. But what do I believe about God? What are the things? What allowance do I give to God? Like in this scenario now, Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And he heard Lazarus was sick, and he stayed two more days. Now, if in this family they believe, which they believe, that Jesus was a healer. So when Lazarus was sick, what did they do? They sent for him. We can see that immediately. Now, the next thing is this. Do these people believe in the wisdom of God? Do they believe in the omnipotence of God? Do they believe other things about God? Because that can be a problem. How many times have you known a person who has the ability to do something but you sense he's unwilling to do it. Praise the Lord. Okay, just like our elections that took place now. I mean, there was a policeman and then there was a man saying, people from a particular tribe go away from here. Does the policeman have the ability to restrain that activity? But you could see that he was completely what? Unwilling to do it. So ability does not always translate to activity. Because ability must have a willingness, a desire. Then there is interest. There is motive. There is all of that. So what do I believe about God? And that takes us back to interrogating that word, love. Jesus loved Martha, loved uh, uh, Mary, loved Lazarus. Does Jesus love you? 
you believe he loves you when you understand and believe jesus loves you you know what it deals with it deals with motive it means that jesus will always act in your interest no matter how it might appear no matter how the scenario you know on understanding it might be now we don't give birth to children and start telling them your mother loves you your mother loves you your mother loves you but i think by experience as children grow they know their mother does what loves them that's why you picture a scenario now you take your child now these days you know people don't take their children to the market how many of us here take our children to taco to wuse market to garaki market children these days don't go to the market with their parents they go to the mall right hallelujah when we were younger we used to go to the market market not more <laughs> praise god so the child goes to the market with the mother okay and for some reason while the child is in the market you know the crowd moving and all of that in the market for some reason the child loses sight of the mother okay there are people standing the child is normally you know small people things are happening the child loses sight of the mother what does the child start doing immediately begins to cry what's the child crying about the child is crying because the child knows that one person in this market that I know I'm safest in her hands is my mother. Are you with me? That child begins to cry. The attention is, I want my mother. Even if the person right in front of the child had sweets or candies or whatever, the child wants my mother. Why? Because the child has known by experience that the motive of my mother towards me is always good that is when you know god loves you when no matter what you experience you're crying for god that was what job demonstrated for us in his temptation satan said job run away from god curse god and what die rather what did job do job fell down and worshiped when you believe god loves you that is how you respond in unexplainable situations you go back to him why because you know that you may not understand what he's doing but you can judge his motive what do i believe about god that's what we're trying to do what do i believe about god so motive god always means the best for me and from there you can begin to understand when the scripture says and we know that's a further explanation of that and we know that in all things what happens god works for the good of those who are love him and are the called according to his purpose these are things that give stability to a christian these are things that make you immovable and unshakable no matter the circumstance so it's in your marriage it's in your finances it's in your body you sit down and say to yourself i think it was uh, pastor see leading us in prayer was the pastor who said he'll remind himself right god loves you you know what that would do for you as you go on in this week and the rest of your life no matter what happens you just announce your name say you are the one god word love somebody practice it already i am the one god word loves in fact i'm the one god is partial to hallelujah somebody i'm the one god is partial to it's important i believe god but what do i believe about him the next thing that you have to begin to understand now is that you have to also believe that this one who has good intentions for you has the capacity to do you good there are a lot of people who wish you well 
But the unfortunate and sad thing is that they can only wish you well. They can't do you well. Ah, they hear your problem. They say, Ahmed, ah, you're a nice guy. I wish, I wish you well. So you go from their presence with only a wish. Praise the Lord. Ah, hey, oh no. If you had met me when I was, you know, buoyant, I would have solved this problem. But I wish you well. So you go, they have the heart to help you, but they don't have the hands. Okay? Now, but you and I must come to understand that the God we come to is not just willing. He just doesn't love you. He has what? The capacity. The God we've come to is the creator God. Another way, you know, we can try and understand this is this. I remind myself, one of the statements I never fail, maybe sometimes I forget, is to remind myself and God when I'm talking to him in prayer. Is that, Lord, you created all. Is someone with me? You created all. If it's concerning my body and I'm in need of healing, I remind him, the body that needs healing, you designed it. You sourced the raw materials. You put it together. If I fell ill at the age of 48, you sustained it before 48, isn't it? I remind him that he's creator. You see, I assure myself of his capability. I assure myself of his ability to do what is needed to be done. This was what we find in Joseph at in 2 Chronicles 20. When he went to God, when the three nations, Moab, Ammon, and Mansai came against him, when he analyzed it and analyzed it, he said, these nations have come against us, and truly, indeed, we have no might against them. But that is Jehoshaphat and the children of Israel. But you, God, there are nothing before you. Is someone getting me? I believe God, but what do I believe about God? Do I believe his power? Do I believe his capability? Do I believe God can decide to just carry everything and overthrow it and turn it around and bring something in? Do I believe that? It's important you interrogate yourself about that. Daily, if possible. What can my God not do? What can you not do? O Lord, my God. There's a song like that, right? What can my God not do? This morning, I want you to think, right now you're in church, what is it that God cannot do? Don't give me an answer. I'm asking you, what is it that God cannot do? What is it that this God you worship, what is it that he cannot do? At the throne room on Friday, we dealt with something that is very important. Listen, brethren, prayer is not therapeutic alone. Prayer is not to make me feel I've poured out my burdens. Uh, you know i pray so when you come to church on sunday you won't feel condemned that they say you must pray you know many years ago as a young christian when i listened to preachers and they talk about prayer 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 i engaged in prayer i wanted to pray more so that when the next preacher will come and talks about prayer i won't be feeling did you get what i'm saying that prayer was presented to me as the number of press-ups i was doing in the gymnasium so someone comes and says that it's six hours I pray. Somebody comes and I pray. Somebody comes and prays. I don't pray six hours. But no 30 minutes passes without me pray. So it looks like something that macho spiritual people used to demonstrate. You know, and say this is how spiritual they are. But when you begin to understand that prayer is none of those. It's actually more than all of those. Praise the Lord somebody. Prayer is communication with your source. 
Prayer is you engaging your helper, your healer, your deliverer, your provider, your director. Everything about, you see, prayer is not a play. The same way I'm speaking to you now, if I say now stand up, you'll stand up, isn't it? Are you getting me? Because I'm speaking and you're hearing, okay, and you're a human being. Now, the Bible says, he who made the ears, what happens? Say, shall he not hear? He who made the eye, shall he what? When you come before God to pray, God sees you coming. When you have a situation at the office and you take a break, you leave the meeting in the office and you enter into the bathroom during lunch and you say, Father, I don't understand what's going on in this office. I need your help. Please solve this scenario for me. Intervene. God saw you come out. God saw that you have the alternative of going to your colleague to sit down in front of him and say, have you heard? Can you imagine what I said? In me, I go show them. God knows you have all those options. And when you made that choice, he saw your direction and he takes note of it. That is prayer. Prayer is the one who is almighty being drawn into your situation to show his omnipotence on your impotence. Are you getting it? Prayer is not a joke. Now, because of the level of our interaction and the level of our sensitivity, many times we think our prayers are not heard, our prayers are not answered. But we're going to get there if we're able to talk in a few other things about God. But every prayer is heard. Every prayer of the righteous. For the Bible says the prayer of the wicked is what? An abomination. We've learned here the only prayer of the wicked that God hears is the prayer of repentance. Prayer for salvation. But the prayer of the righteous, every prayer of the righteous is heard by God. Prayer is not a joke. Prayer is a great privilege. Prayer is the greatest advantage you have as a Christian. You see, my brain has been given to me. God created me and he gave me brain. And he gave me ref- reflexes. So if I touch something that is hot, reflex will say, take away your fingers. My brain is given to me. If I see it may be a road to pass and I, I need to jump this drainage, I need to jump this. My brain tells me you can't jump this, okay? But there are some scenarios I, my brain cannot process. There are some situations my reflex do not understand. What helps me in such a situation? Men ought always to pray and what? Not to faint. And that is why where we are as a nation now, we can't stop praying. Praise the Lord. No, we can't stop praying because, you see, you know, before now, it was get your PVC, PVC. And, you know, I I saw that quote many years ago. I I didn't know it was so applicable to us. It said, those who vote count nothing. Those who count the vote determine everything. Because, you see, one million can vote and the people who are counting will count it as 50. And three can vote, and the people who are counting will count it as three million. But you see, those who count the votes may be superior to those who vote. But there is someone we can report them to. Are you with it now? So Jesus made us understand, men ought always to pray. Why must we always pray? Because there are always situations beyond our control. Praise the Lord. If you're here, you've not had children you soon learn to pray. You know when they say mothers pray, mothers pray. It's not that mother. It's not because by their biological makeup they like to pray. Children make them pray. When you see the angel that you gave birth to turn into a demon, you will know that. Do you understand? You will pray. You will pray. You know, I've told you here how I stole my mother's uh, bangle. You know, I mean, I'm sure my mother will be wondering. I came, a thief. She will pray. 
<laughs> Do you understand what I mean? No, mothers pray because they see that cute baby. You know, babies are beautiful. Babies are lovely. Do you understand? Babies are adorable. So you see that baby growing, growing. Then one day, you overhear that baby, you know, telling the, the sister or the brother things. And you're wondering, where is this word coming from? Shege, waka, this and that. Hey, you got kneel down and say, hey, nah, I'm one more. Lord. Do you understand what you, you pray because there are situations beyond your control when any person who is not praying doesn't understand because the truth no you don't have it all there are a lot of things beyond your control do you understand you're married oh and you want a successful marriage i tell you it's not your shape as a woman that makes your marriage successful praise the lord no it's not the shape because the shape that they're advertising now, when I was growing up, it was fattening room that was involved. They used to call our mothers then thick madam. That means here is thick. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You see, that's what is in the surface. If you're married here for your marriage to work, you need to what? Pray. Your spending money is not, spending money is good. Praise the Lord. Ain't no romance without Yes, it's good. But you need to pray because they can use your money and be sustaining one, uh, one Quaker boy somewhere. <laughs> we pray because the almighty God invites us. Remember when he made us, he made us in his image. He said, let them have dominion over the works of whose hands? Over the works of God's hands. Okay, so God in his wisdom has created an avenue so that as you're living in his world, if, you, if you're confronted with a scenario, a situation you can't handle, what do you do? You pray to him. Prayer is a privilege and prayer works. God hears prayers. The only thing is this, that because men do not have sufficient knowledge of God, we never really have enough knowledge of God. We continue to grow in knowledge. Is that certain circumstances arise and we think God is no longer hearing us. Just like in this case now. The Bible says in the first verse, it told us now Lazarus was sick. Verse 1. And it says this was this Lazarus whom, you know, Jesus and all of that. And they said when Jesus, they sent to Jesus to say that Lazarus was sick. That was prayer. So they prayed to Jesus, come and heal Lazarus. Now let me ask you a question. I need a yes or no. Did Jesus heal Lazarus? No. You failed the exam. Jesus did not heal Lazarus. Jesus didn't heal Lazarus. Jesus did not answer their prayer in kind. But he answered it as God. You see, if you make a request to me as a man, there is a limit to which I can alter the response I give to you and still be good to you. Because there is a limit to which my understanding will vary from your own understanding. Are you with me? But when you make a prayer to God, because he is God, you see, we don't know the sickness that Lazarus was sick of. But it could have been one of those sicknesses that they heal. After two months, he will come back. They heal. After one year, he comes. He said the thing has grown again. He left the leg. He came to the hand. He came. You see, it, it might have been one of those sicknesses. So Jesus didn't want to be going back and forth. See, he said, let sickness have its perfect work. Let sickness finish. When sickness finishes, I, God, will appear. I will make all things new. You see, he answers every prayer but not the way we want sometimes you're praying to god you know god please change my wife change my husband change my parents change my children 
And God looks in his records and sees who needs that software update. And it's you that you're praying. Are you with me? God will change somebody, but it's not the one you want to change. They will change you. Do you understand? Because you see, he sees from a very superior, you know, point of view. So when we pray to him, it's actually arrogant to expect God to answer. That's why, you know, I'm careful and I, I pray to God, Lord, please help me to know my level. Because you listen to some preachers, the way they sound, it's like they and God attended the same theological school. The way they will tell you God will respond, as if if God misses it, they'll go and tell God, God, you failed here. Do you understand? And you know, they are very bold, so I don't know. Okay. So they present those things to you, and then you now grow in your faith to the point where if God does not answer exactly the way you want, you measure it as God not what answering. No, no. Remember, he made clear to us, very clear. He said, Isaiah 55, please, 8 and 9. He said, my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways what? My ways. Okay? He made it clear to us. He says, as the heavens are higher than the earth. He says, so are my ways what? Higher than your ways. And my thoughts than your thoughts. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You know, the simple way you can understand this is this. Okay? Tope, your master in which language now? Yoruba. <laughs> okay. Now, there are statements in Yoruba that if you want to translate it literally into English, you will kill somebody. You know, they, okay, let me use this one in Igbo. In Igbo, when you're thirsty, when you're really thirsty, so the Igbo world will say, hmm. translate to English. You see an English man and you're thirsty and you now want to translate that your situation to the man in English. You tell the English man, Oibo, my throat is calling me firewood. So, the Oyibo man will fetch what for you? Firewood. So, your prayers, when you bring them to God, they have to be converted into the way they can be answered in your benefit. Are you with me? They have to be converted. If not, if you get the answer direct like that, it will create problems for you. Oh Lord, kill my enemies, kill my enemies. God blesses them. Because God knows that that is not the end. The enemy that is there is greed, anger, envy. So God is just raising the man. You're wondering, God, I said you should kill. He said we are killing, but not that one. It's not getting in there. So he says, my thoughts, th- these are things that bring you to a place of humility. And you know, the Bible is so beautiful for us. It says we should be followers of those who through faith and what? Patience. Why do we need patience? You see, we live in time. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You and I live in time. We, all we see is now. Are you with me? All we understand is now. Let's take a simple illustration now. Temperature. Okay? Now, for those who, who go to the um, astronauts, do you know that when astronauts come back from their expedition, they don't just land and go and meet their families. If they do that, do you know what will happen? They'll die immediately. Because the change from the environment they are coming out from to the environment of the earth needs a transition. So they've landed successfully. The family members will still be seeing them from video. There will be a period of time where they begin to, you know, on what? Unwind and remove the atmosphere of space 
and begin to slowly and gently introduce the atmosphere of air to them until it is comfortable and safe for them to live in our own earth. Now, if we as men were involved, the moment they land, mama will go and say, ah, nami natago. And that's it. They said the kind of diseases that they will carry from there and bring, and the ones people here will give, they will not survive. Now, all these things, science finds it out by study. But God knows all these things. So you ask for some things, and God says, I will give it to you. But he looks at what is suitable, and he says it will take a two weeks or a two-year transition period to fit you for what you are asking. That's why we were taught to pray. Prayer. He said, Lord, prepare me for what you're preparing for me. Praise the Lord. Because all those things are there. So we come, we have faith in God. But we must address the things that are around it. Another thing very important we also look at there. Is what James said. James chapter 1 from verse 2. We can put it on the screen so I'll read it. I won't miss out anything. In James chapter 1 verse 2. It says, my brethren, say, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have what? It's perfect work. That you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Just hold on here. You see, patience. Patience in the spiritual environment, just like what we said about the people from Swiss. It's a virtue that if we understood as believers, we would not have three, four prayer meetings without praying for patience. (laughs) But without praying for the virtue of patience. Praise the Lord. It's too important. Look at what the scripture says there. It says, let what? What should patience have? So that what will happen? So it means if patience hasn't had its perfect work, I mean complete. Now, that's not your thinking of a blessing, right? If I pronounce a blessing on you now, you won't receive patience. That means you go incomplete. He said, let patience have its perfect work. You see, these are things that you find, the Holy Spirit will show you in the scriptures. Now, God chose a king for Israel, Saul. They came to Samuel, and they said to Samuel, we don't understand what is going on again. Give us a king like other nations, so that he can lead us in battles. We are tired of all this. And I don't know the exact time period, but within one month, God gave them a king. And the king arrived, you know, looking very kingly. You know, height, beauty, everything was kingly. You know the testimony of that king. He failed woefully. God chose his own king. Anointed David at about 15 years. The next year, fugitive. For years, this king chosen by God was a fugitive. Hiding in dens, in caves, in foreign land. You know why? Because the king God chooses must be complete. Are you with me? The king God chooses must what? Must be complete. There had to be a work done in him. Because if God took him as he was and introduced him into the kingship, he will fail utterly. So they took David and started distressing him. So David learned 1,000 ways not to be a king. And that's the challenge a lot of us have. You know there is this news now about the Okada driver that won House of Reps. We need more of that. Because that Okada driver, or rider, sorry, no matter how much honorable you call him, he will not forget the poor. But you see, all these ones that from secondary school, the Okada rider, do you understand? When he becomes honorable, 
and they're making a legislation. When they say uh, minimum wage, what do we do with minimum wage? He won't be arguing for it to be 30,000. Whereas he's earning maybe 50 million per month. He won't be arguing that because he knows he's been there. When God anointed David as king, he said, David, I'm going to train you so that you will know how a king should not behave. So he took him and dealt with him. When David became king, it was as though God was reigning directly in Israel. Because, you see, patience teaches like no man can teach. Let patience have its perfect work. Now, young girls, you'll marry. But a friend of mine said, if he wants to advise anybody, say, marry old ladies. They know how to appreciate him. Not the ones that say, say, look at you. Marry anyone, the Lord leads you. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So he said, let patience have its perfect work. That you may be perfect and complete. Lacking nothing. Those who know how to cook here will understand what the scripture is saying. Did it rise well? It's the same mixture in the dough, right? But the length of time it spends in the oven determines the taste. Not just the length of time. The rate at which the fire was released. Do you understand? These are things in our natural that should teach us spiritual understanding. Recently we learned, you know, my wife was teaching us, you know, I mean by observation. They don't allow me to enter kitchen. But when you're frying plantain... There's a heat the oil will be. Your plantain will drink oil. You just put cold oil. You put plantain. Plantain will swallow oil first. Then when the heat is ready, you'll now be eating plantain oil mix. Now, the same way with the process God takes us through. There are some things that he has to put heat under you. There are some processes that, must, that you may be perfect and complete. What's the progression? Lacking nothing. That's what makes you, you see a man who is very wealthy. He's behaving like he's poor. He's envious of everybody. You see a lady who is married. She cannot enjoy her marriage. If a girl greets her husband, she says, what is it? What is it? What are you looking for? She's lacking many things. Perfect and complete. Lacking what? You get to the point where nothing moves you. You've seen it all. Praise the Lord. Continue, please. Thank you. Five. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, he says, let the mask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach and you'll be given to him. Six, we're going to come back to that fight. He said, but let him ask in what? Faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Okay? Let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from that. I said, I will not be a good brother to you. If I don't let you see the scripture. Because one of the things I also realize we preachers do. Is that we make you feel so good. That when you meet real life. You're wondering where is it missing. Look at what the scripture says. It says there are some things that we have to deal with. Else we will not receive anything. Let's look at the screen. Six and seven please. It says let him do what? Ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. He said, if I doubt, I go to God and I ask something. And I doubt. He said, I should not imagine I will get anything. Is that in the Bible? How many of us have dealt with it? This is why when you see scriptures like this, eh, and the preacher comes and says, have big faith, have big faith, believe God for big things. When you understand the scripture, you won't believe God for big things. You believe God for the one that you can believe for. 
Did somebody hear me? I said you believe God for what? The one that you can believe for, believe for. Don't come here and, you know, leave church and feel, I'm going to fly. If I leave this place now, there's no fuel. I'll fly to Guagualada. And then you leave, you jump, you land. <laughs> no. Believe God for what you can believe God for. What happens is this. It says, as you do that and you see God show himself faithful in that, your faith strengthens. God is not impressed with our voice, our noise, our, you know, gymnastics. No. It says he's listening to you. In fact, the Bible said in Ecclesiastes, it said when you come before God, it said, please, please, don't be hasty with what you say. Don't let the angels take records. The way we take minutes in our, you know, our office meetings and all those places, angels take minutes of what happens here and there. So you come to church. Don't, don't lift up your voice. Recently, I've told us here before, songs that we sing in worship are declarations. I give you all. I give you all. I give you all. Right? I give you all. But you've not given five naira. You've not given 50,000. You have 10 million. You've not given the 10 million. You've not given anything. And every time you're saying, I give you all. And then just say, somebody's giving all. Somebody's giving all. They write it. Then you now sit down. They say, transfer all. Who is talking? Are you getting me? No, no. Start from the one you can handle. Why? It says, let not that man suppose. Spiritual things... Are two, I don't know how to explain this. Holy Spirit help us. Spiritual things are delicate. Are you with me? Spiritual things are not fine art. I did a bit of fine art. So when I'm drawing your face, okay, when I'm drawing something, and I miss a line, I add it to the shade. You get what I'm saying? Okay. But, but spiritual things are a bit, you know, they, they have to be clinical correct. There's no provision for error. So if you come and say to God, God, today I give my life to you. I surrender out to you. Make sure that is what you want to do. Because heaven is going to say, we have somebody in the Father's church today who dedicated his life, who said he's going to give up. When you step out, they're going to create circumstances for you to demonstrate that consecration. If you jump and pass it, they'll start noting you. So, he said, don't let that happen. Why? It's not a place you want to be. Verse 8 is more dangerous. Look at what verse 8 is. He said, for he is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Why are we looking at all this? Is that when Lazarus fell ill, Mary and Martha were in no doubt as to who they needed now. Praise the Lord. There was no doubt in their family. They knew that this was a situation that called for who? Jesus' intervention. So they sent for him. I will show you something there so you follow and get what we're learning this morning. In verse 17. They sent for Jesus, but Jesus did not come immediately. So Lazarus died. Okay? Look at 17, please. Go back to our text. 17 says what? Read it for me, everybody. Read it again. Do I have a Bible scholar here? What do you see from that line? There's something there. Let me show you what is there. Jesus is omniscient. Okay? The Bible says Jesus knows all men. Isn't it? They say Jesus found. What does it mean? Jesus was not expecting them to bury Lazarus. You have sent for me. Jesus came and Jesus came to the house. He went into Lazarus's room. Where's Lazarus now? They say we buried this is for that's what he did. You called me and you're burying. Some of us are buried at hope for Nigeria. <laughs> Some have said, No more, I'm tearing my PVC. You don't know who you called. 
You sent for Jesus and then you're burying Lazarus. He came and found, he discovered. It was a discovery for him. That's part of the reason he wept. Hey, say human beings. Remember he said to the disciples at one point, he said, how long, oh, faithless and wicked. Heaven considered unbelief as wickedness. Because you see, we've learned here, listen, I'm your friend to the extent you believe me. If you don't believe me, we can't be friends. I'm your friend to the extent that if I tell you I'm coming to your house, you expect me. If you say you're coming, I'll expect you, isn't it? Let's meet here, you expect me. God is your friend. Now, he says to you, I'm coming. You lock the door and you go to local jail. Then he says, what happened? He said, I I wasn't sure you were going to come. You don't get what I'm saying. You tell a friend, oh friend, please, I'm stuck. I ran out of fuel. I'm somewhere around Barnex. And your friend runs and buys black market and comes to bring fuel to you. And you have entered over and left. And then he comes and says, what happened? I wasn't sure you were going to come. That's what we do. Jesus came, you know, came down to, what did he tell the disciples? He said to the disciples, Lazarus what? Sleeps, I'm going to wake him up. And he expected that Mary and Martha would know that if you have sent for me, keep Lazarus in the room. So when he came, he was going to look for Lazarus. Where those who have faith keep Lazarus. Our time is gone. Rise on your faith. We're going to bring all our Lazaruses to where those who have faith keep him. We will not shock Jesus with unbelief. We will shock him with our faith. Whatever you have brought before him. Jesus made the statement in that passage we read. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He could have said, I am the life. If he's only the life, if there is death, there is nothing life can do anymore. But if I'm the resurrection, I heal death. Somebody didn't hear me. It's one thing for me to be able to make something. But it's another thing for me to take the one that they spot and make it again. There are two different levels. Are you with me? Today, God is saying to you and I, He's saying, do you believe me? How much of faith do you have in me? Where are you keeping your prayers? The prayers you made to me, the things you brought to me, your life, your marriage, your country, everything you brought to me. You say, where have you kept it? Have you gone to bury it? You sent for me. We fasted and prayed. Didn't we do that? Most Christians in Nigeria prayed and prayed for Nigeria. Like never before. We've been praying for Nigeria for a long time. Many people. But like never before, Nigerians called on God. And you think we should go and bury Nigeria? No. We keep Nigeria in a room. And we're just taking notes. How is he going to do it? How is he going to wipe out the wicked? How is he going to overthrow this? You see, we're expectant. Why? Because we know whom we have what? And we are fully persuaded. I'm fully persuaded. I don't know about it. I am fully persuaded. I've seen God do things and do things and do things. Do you understand? And many of them are not the way I wish, but they are the way that when they happen, I say, Baba, thank you, you took over. This morning, I want you to go to the Lord and renew your faith. Tell him, Lord, I don't know the prayer you prayed some time ago, but this morning, tell him, I have faith in you. Tell him, I know you love me. Tell him, I know you can handle everything that comes my way. Tell him, Lord, (laughs) I don't even know where to start. I need you to tell him, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm I'm bringing my Lazarus out. Some of us don't even come to church with our faith anymore. We leave the matters that we brought before God. 
we are hoping that you know some psychologist and you know something will happen but today you are in the presence of god and we're saying Kile Oloshe kill. what can this god not do what can jehovah not do what situation can he not handle what indices can he not change we serve a mighty God. We serve a mighty God. What can he not do? The God who was, the God who is, and the God who is to come is the one we are talking about. His name is Jesus. The Bible says we do not have a high priest who cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. But in every point he was tempted as we are. He knows what you went through. And he said, call on me. When any human organization gives you insurance, you know what they add with that insurance? They put limits. But when God gives you assurance, he takes away the limit. He said, open up your mouth wide and I will feel it. Which means ask as much as you can receive. This morning, God is here to answer. God is here to touch somebody. God is here to turn around. As many as I say, Lord, I return to you. I lift up my eyes to you. I lift up my eyes. I turn away from the hills around Jerusalem. I look to the God beyond the hills. You are my God, the glory, the lifter of my head. You are more than all. You are maker of all. You are sustainer of all. This is the God that you're talking to. He's the God who loves you. He's the God who loves Mary. You are the Mary. He's the God who loves Martha. He's the God who knows my days. He's the God who knows my situation. He's the God who knows my dwelling place. His name is Jehovah. Can you open up your mouth and exercise that privilege of prayer and say to him, Lord, here I am. And it's everything. Everything is included. That's the beautiful thing. When he raised Lazarus from the dead, he healed everything. There was a sickness that caused Lazarus to die. He was healed. But other conditions in his body, they said as you get old, I don't know how old Lazarus was. His eyesight might have been failing. But when Lazarus rose up, he didn't need glasses again. Whatever was failing in his body got a healing. Why? Because Jesus brought life. And the life he brought was not a repaired life. He said, Lazarus, come out. And the man, hallelujah, thank you, Holy Spirit. Is there any physically fit person here? Let's wrap you bound completely and see if you can get up. The ability, the grace and the possibility was for Lazarus to get up. Talks about the fitness of somebody that I've never seen. To get up bound is another level. Is someone hearing me? Jesus is here. He says, ask, ask things that you know may have felt let me not disturb god with this i want to encourage you this morning please he's your god he is mighty to save he's mighty to deliver he is the one who says to you call on me and i will answer you he's the one who said come to me all ye that labor in this season in nigeria he is still the miracle worker he is still the way maker Lord, how can I survive in Nigeria? He says, come to me. Come to me. All ye that labor, come to me. How many understand the emotional distress that I go through? He's saying to you, come to me. He understands like no man understands. Talk to him. This morning we have the great privilege of sharing 
or celebrating the Lord's Supper. This was what our Lord Jesus Christ did the night before his betrayal. And um, it was important he did it because he said to the Jews, Unless you eat my flesh and you drink my blood, you have no life in you. And when he was done with it, he said to them, This you do as often as you will in remembrance of me. Then he also said to us, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Now, someone may ask, I don't know if you had ever asked, why is it that we proclaim his death? Why is, it, why is that what we proclaim? The reason we proclaim his death is that when our Lord Jesus Christ, in the account in John, John chapter 2, from verse 18, you don't need to, you may put it on the screen. After he had driven the uh, money sellers and dove, you know, traders from the temple, they came and asked him, By what authority do you do these things? You know, show to us that you have the right to do what you're doing. I believe Jesus must have smiled and said to them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. You see, power and authority can be demonstrated in several ways depending on how great the power is. The weakest of power must be protected. So there are metals, products that must be shielded from the weather. If not, they will disintegrate. But the strongest of metals, like gold, I believe it's acid they used to test gold. They say drop acid. They know the strength of the metal. So they say expose it to anything that you want. It will remain what it is. When they said to Jesus, prove to us that you have the right to do this. He didn't say to them, I will kill five people. He said, no, kill me. <laughs> Hallelujah. And on the third day what? I will rise again. So when he says, you proclaim the Lord's death, he said, I have demonstrated to the world that no power like mine. Are you with me? He said, expire your worst and the best of God will be untouched. The purposes of God will be untouched. So the Bible says, had the princes of this world known, they would not have what? Crucified the Lord of glory. And it's important for you and I here today because someone is discouraged because of the bad experiences and the disappointments. But not when you serve a God like Jesus. There are some gods you go to and they are only preventive. Is someone hearing me? Jesus is more than preventive. He's preventive. Glory to God. But just like in the text we read, he allowed the sickness finish. And then when he came, he said, Lazarus, come, let's go. And Lazarus got up. So when he says you proclaim the Lord's death, he said you, you irritate the ears of the devil. Because whenever you say Jesus died, they know that he's no longer in the grave. Is someone hearing me now? If you say he's alive, they say yes. He's but when you say he died, it meant that at a point you thought you had the victory. But that same Jesus is forever alive. It means that for everybody, every weight, every distress the saint is carrying, is only for a time. 
when you proclaim the lost that you are announcing to principalities and but the Bible says he made a public spectacle of them you are announcing to them that their worst means nothing to you because you are in Christ so the Bible says we are more than conquerors through him that loved us you've been listening to a message by Pastor Ike Naokeke of the Father's Church we are sure you've been blessed we invite you to worship with us at Eden Center Banex Guarimpa Expressway near Next Kashinkari, Abuja for telephone 09-290-9000 or 703 you can find us online at www.thefatherschurchonline.org God bless you